Welcome to Truth Talk with John Morgan of Traders Point Church of Christ. Traders Point Church of Christ is located at 8220 West 82nd Street in Indianapolis. More information about worship times and Bible study can be found at traderspointchurch.org. Good morning and welcome to Truth Talk. My name is John Morgan with the Traders Point Church of Christ. I'm here with our evangelist, Jeremy Bard. We're going to continue our study uh, in the book of Romans. This will be week number three, and so we will be in Romans chapter three. We're going to take the next 16 weeks to study through the entirety of of Paul's letter to the Christians in Rome. And over the past couple of weeks, we've looked at chapters one and chapter two, and we're going to get into chapter three this evening. Chapter three is a really important chapter because that's where kind of the initial transition takes place. Uh, as we've started this this book looking at the wrath of God and the judgment of God and the mess that man has made uh, of things. And, and Romans chapter 3 serves as a little bit of a hinge passage for us in which we start to see the good news uh, that, that man has because of Christ. So we're going we're gonna to talk through that chapter this evening. So Jeremy, as, as you have been looking at this chapter and really thinking about this early section of the book of Romans, where are we picking up here when we get into chapter 3? Well, I think when you got, you know, chapter 1 and chapter 2 in a lot of ways cover kind of the same point t- to different folks. Mm-hmm. And, and what it's really doing is trying to putting everybody in the same boat. And yeah. you, you're dealing, we've talked a little bit about this in, in previous uh, classes, but during this time, people weren't in the same boat. I mean, they yeah. were very much saying, listen, we're Jews, we're over here, we're Greeks or Gentiles, we're over here. I mean, we're this or we're that, and we're kind of separating ourselves out. And that really is a, a big problem throughout the New Testament. I mean, it's something that Paul deals with a lot in, in several of his letters, specifically those kinds of issues. Even the brethren in Corinth, where they were breaking off into even smaller groups, you know, with that, that always seems to be an issue, I, I think, almost with man. I mean, we, yeah. we, I mean, listen, we're in our culture, even today, I mean, it's something that we're, it's happening almost now than more than it has in the last hundred years, maybe. I mean, it's mm-hmm. everybody's breaking off into these varying groups. But in these first three chapters, it is Paul putting everybody in the same boat. Now, it's not a great boat to be in. Yeah. But it is putting everybody there. And so he starts there in chapter 1 with kind of the Gentiles, those without the old law, without that knowledge of God even, and makes the point that, listen, if you're going to suppress the truth of God, the wrath of God is going to come down upon those Mm -hmm. that do that. And so he talks specifically about all of those. And we've made this point. You can imagine the Jewish brethren sitting back and amening all Mm -hmm. of those things that's being said. But he transitions to chapter 2, and he talks specifically in about the Jews, and he puts them in the same boat. He paints a picture in which they've they've also suppressed the truth of Mm -hmm. God. And if you suppress the truth of God, chapter 1 tells us the wrath of God is going to be poured out on those. And that's going to happen to the brethren that are a Gentile of nature, and it's going to happen to the Jewish folks as well. Everybody is in that same boat, and now you kind of have chapter 3 pulling all of those thoughts together. And you're right, it really becomes a transition, especially the second half of chapter mm-hmm. 3, really begins a transition into you know 4, 5, and 6, chapters 4, 5, and 6, where you know you have Paul really saying, now what? Now we're all in trouble. Yeah. W- what do we do about it? And yep. that's kind of you know where he moves on from there. I mean, I, you can kind of see a picture developing here as Paul is talking. I think sometimes the Gentiles take a message like this better than the Jews do. I think, I think that's a good and, point. And yeah. I think Paul begins chapter 3 here by... He's kind of torn the Jews down a little bit. He's put them in their place. Yeah. 
But he doesn't want to completely discount all of this because I think the possibility is there that after hearing some of these things, the Jews kind of take a step back and think, well, then what was all this for? Mm-hmm. You know, was, what, what was this old law for? Why did, we, why did we do all of these things? Why did our ancestors uh, work so hard to keep this law to begin with if you're telling us we're all in the same boat anyway? And so Paul takes a moment here at the beginning of chapter 3 to make sure that they understand that this wasn't worthless just because you now find yourself in the same boat as the Gentiles, that doesn't mean that the old law didn't serve a very important purpose. That doesn't mean that circumcision wasn't important. It was. And he makes that point not just here in Romans, but he makes that point in several of his epistles in the New Testament because he wants them to recognize that the old law served a really important pers- purpose in its time. Yeah. Don't forget that. Just because, just because you're now on a level playing field with the Gentiles... Don't let that don't let that overshadow the importance that the old law served. And so he, he's reinforcing that here in the beginning, that, that there was purpose behind it. it. It served a great purpose, and it actually has ultimately led them to the good news that he's about to give them here in Romans chapter 3 about the grace of God that's now being extended to all mankind without the old law paving the way and being that shadow of the things to come. This wouldn't have been possible. And so what we're seeing here is is really God's ultimate wisdom on display as he reinforces the fact that the old law served its purpose. It led you to where you are today. And where you are today is much better than where you were. <laughs> right. And so don't don't let that don't let that overshadow the importance that the old law served. Remember that, hold on to that, but now be ready to move on. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, you can certainly get to the end of chapter 2, and he's kind of beating on the Jews a yeah. little bit, and and maybe they do have the uh, down face, uh, you know, <laughs> a little bit. He tells them, and I think even at the very beginning, at the very outset, well, you know, what advantage then has a Jew or what profit is circumcision? I think he's talking directly about the law mm-hmm. and about their covenant with God, and yeah. he's not discounting. He, he's not now saying, listen, those things didn't exist. Or, you know, listen, to use, a, you know, to coin a 2019 term, listen, those are not fake news over there. Those, those things happen, yeah. and those things were important, uh-huh. and that was a part of God's plan. And when he's talking to the Jews, he wants them to understand that you were a part of that. Mm-hmm. You were a special part of that, even different than the Gentiles, who were not a part of it in the same way that you were. And so he is, I think you're right, he's lifting them up to say, all was not for nothing. Mm-hmm. It has put you in a position for everything to be given, to, to have every blessing handed to you. And now you are in a tremendously much better place than you were even before when you were in a great place. Yeah. Because you, you were in a relationship with God, but your relationship with God is so much more, it's so much full, more fuller than what it ever was before. And he, he kind of is a, it, I think you're right, it is a lift up kind of scenario that has before he kind of lays the hammer again yeah, yeah. about more reality here towards the end of the chapter. But but I think it is. I think it is that, hey, the old law, this is not a tearing down of the old law. Mm-hmm. You can read that in all. Listen, you pick up almost any, you know, the book of Galatians is that way. The Hebrew writer in the book of Hebrews, we, we in no way should read those texts to say that, 
the old law was for nothing. I mean, right. Paul in the book of Galatians will talk specifically about the purpose and the mm-hmm. goodness and what the the old law did for man was to bring them and pointed them to Christ. All of those things were of great purpose, and it was a part of God's plan. Not, hey, Christ was there because the old law didn't work. No, it was all a part of the plan, and the Jews specifically were a very special part of that. And I think that's what you have really in the first several verses of chapter 3. And as he transitions past that, what he then goes on to help them recognize is that one of the fundamental flaws of the old law is that you didn't keep it. Right. That, that's, one of the, that's one of the things that, where this all breaks down. That's what he goes on to say here is, you know, you indeed let God be true. Every man is a liar. He, he talks about their unrighteousness. They, they were given this law. And, and they're, they're claiming that they want to hold on to this law. But what Paul's pointing out is, you guys, you guys didn't keep the law. You, you didn't hold up your end of the bargain. But the beauty of all of this is that while man didn't hold up our end of the bargain, while the Jews didn't hold up their end of the bargain... God is going to uphold his end of the bargain. Right. That's the beauty of all of this. And that's what he's trying to help them see is, listen, it, it, the, the old law, you guys, you guys didn't fulfill that in the way that it was intended to be fulfilled. But, but the good news is that God is still going to provide a way for you to have a relationship with him. That, that's where all of this goodness is going to come from. Not from your ability to keep this law. You've already messed that up. Now, our only hope, our only hope is in the faithfulness of God, because man has proven to be unreliable in that regard, but God is always faithful to his promises. And so the promises that he has made in times past, he is going to keep, regardless of what man has done in the interim. Yeah, you know, it is interesting that I think he's lifting the Jews up a little bit just to give them another dose of reality, because Mm -hmm. the reality is you couldn't have kept the old law perfectly. Yeah. And it, like you said, in the, in the phrase that he used, it, it, the Jews have not kept their end. I mean, they just they just have it. The Gentiles, they haven't kept their end either. I right. mean, we saw there in chapter 1 that, that God is, is there. He's, up, he, he's in our face through what he has created. He's in our face through all that he has done right there. And you can search out for him, whether you're Jew or a Greek, or, or you, you don't, or you suppress that truth. And so everybody, nobody has kept their end of the bargain, but yet God's love is on full display in the book of Romans for sure. Mm-hmm. And it, it is here. He is still in the face of that, in the face of the fact that every man, every one of them, and that's the point we're going to get to the very end of, you know, towards the end of this chapter, in the face of every one of them, whether it's Jew or whether it's Gentile, everybody has sinned. And everybody, nobody has kept their end of the bargain. Nobody mm-hmm. has. That point is going to be made when he you know, gets into the quote from the book of Psalms. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it is interesting to me as he kind of pulls everybody together again in verse 9, when he's kind of lifted the juice up a little bit, he kind of gives them some reality by saying, listen, and I think Paul puts himself in that in the same boat with them when he says, well, what then are we, are we better than they are? Are we, are we better than them? I think that's Paul as a Jew saying, are we, are we better than, than the Gentiles because we were God's people in the old law because we were, we had circumcision and that covenant with him. Are we, we better than them? He says, not at all yeah. because we're previously charged both Jews and Greek that we are all under sin. And then we have this incredible quote given to us from the book of Psalms here. I think one of the amazing things about this is not to give too much away before we get down into it, but when we get down 
into verses 23 and 24 and 25, which are probably the more well-known parts of Romans chapter 3, what we're seeing there is that as New Testament Christians, which these people are, they are, they are New Testament Christians. They, they, have, they have been baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of their sins. As New Testament Christians, they have been justified. Mm-hmm. Or the, what the Greek word there means is to pronounce one innocent. They right. have been pronounced innocent. But I think what's amazing about that, and to, to hear that even today has, I think, the same impact on me that it had on these people. Everything that you've read in chapters 1, 2, and 3 would lead you to believe that you are not innocent. <laughs> right. that, that's the whole right. idea. Is He's just going out of his way to point out you are yeah. not innocent. You are not innocent. Right. You are under sin. You have broken the law. You have done this. You, you're not innocent. But yet the beauty of everything that this is leading up to is that as Christians, we can be justified. And that's where all of this is headed. And I think that that really serves an important reminder to us that in order for us to truly see the value of Christ in our lives, we first have to see that without Him, we cannot be made innocent. Right. We are guilty. And that's just the reality of the situation. And I think that's what the first two and a half chapters of Romans is intended to do is to help us all see that without the blood of Christ every single one of us is guilty that's where we stand before God and if Christ isn't in the picture that's where we will continue to stand is guilty and that is a yucky feeling to have to deal with but that's in order to see the true value that Christ has in our lives we first have to recognize that and allow that to be a motivator to us to then find Christ and the grace that he's extended to us. You know, there's a, a lot of books in the New Testament that will in, really focus on kind of our end of things. Mm-hmm. You know, as you were saying, you know, uh, those those last things that you were talking about, you know, I, the book of Galatians really in a lot of ways focuses on our end. Faith is a huge component to the book of Galatians that, you know, because of what God has done, it now it rests on the faith. Am I going to believe that? And it talks a lot about faith. But in the book of Romans, even though there certainly there's things, and we'll get into it as we go through this study, that, that talks about things from our end, mm-hmm. no question. The focus of the book of Romans is on God's end. Yep. Because the focus of the book of Romans is on God's grace and on God's mercy. Yep. That is the focus of the book. Yes, are there things talked about from our end? Absolutely there is. But the main focus of the book is on God and the grace that he has, the mercy that he has shown, to a people who is no way deserving of any of it. And th- that's what elevates the tremendous uh, power of his grace and mercy. It's what uh, those things work together so well because of what we've seen in these first three chapters where the reality is, as we, I mean, you get into the very verse 10, the very beginning of that quote from Psalms, there is none righteous, no, not one. There's not one who seeks after God. Now, the, the point is made, everybody is in that sinful place. And what we deserve is wrath of God. Yeah. That point's already been made. Yeah. But it, that's not going to happen. And you're right. You're, he's writing to Christians who have, been, who have been justified, who have had their sins washed away because of God's grace and mercy. And that is the focus of this entire book. And certainly as it unfolds in really the next three chapters, four, five, and six, that really takes center stage on what God has done for man who doesn't deserve mm-hmm. any of it. I think in a lot of ways, this has to be for these first century Christians, as, as, they're, as they're reading this, 
I think one of the things that Paul is trying to do here is to equip them so that they can then continue to spread the good news of the gospel. And I think in order for us to do that today, we need to be comfortable talking to people about the terrible condition that they find themselves in without Christ. We, we like to, it's easier to talk about the forgiveness that's available. It's easier to talk about eternity in heaven. It's easier to talk about all of the blessings that come through Christ. And all of that is important and has to be talked about. But there's also value in sitting down with someone and talking about the terrible condition that they find themselves in. It's okay to sit down and talk with someone about the wrath of God that they are facing because of what they've done in their lives. That, I think in a lot of ways, this is equipping us to be better evangelists in that regard. You guys need to recognize where you came from. Don't forget about that. Don't forget about the mess that you had made in, in, in times past. Just because you're now experiencing the blessings under Christ, don't forget about those things. Remember that so that you can then talk to other people about that who haven't yet found those blessings in Christ, who haven't experienced the grace that Jesus offers. Use your past to help teach and prepare other people for Christ. And that same truth, I think, should be something that we take to heart today as well when we're talking to people don't forget about the time that you lived in sin. Don't forget about the time in which you were not righteous. Mm-hmm. Don't forget about those times. Remember those. Use those times in a, as, a way, as a tool to teach others and lead them to, to Christ. And I think even to take that application one step further, and we've got to fight the temptation in any circumstance to in, put into our mind that now somehow we're, we're better than mm-hmm. someone else. Because, mm-hmm. listen, you, you study through the book of Romans, yeah. and the, the point is made over and over and over. I, I'm no better than anybody. Mm-hmm. I am the exact same. I'm the exact same. I am a sinner in desperate need of God's grace and mercy. Now, if I have faith in what he has done for me, and I've I've had my sins washed away, and I'm able to enjoy those blessings that come with that, that still doesn't put me in a better elevated position than anyone else. And you're right, when you have opportunity to talk to someone else who, who doesn't have that, who is lost, it's a desperate time for them. And we've got to be able to communicate that. But we've got to be able to communicate that in a way that I'm no, di- I'm no yeah, different. Exactly. I'm no different. I'm, I'm just as desperate for God's grace as you are. Mm-hmm. And we've got to be able to communicate that. And certainly Paul, through inspiration, communicates that beautifully. I mean, he does, through lots of his writings, he points his readers back to where they came from and reminds them of where they are now. And I think he does that for the exact point that you've just made. You know, we, you and I both spend some time down at the Juvenile Detention Center studying with some of the young kids that have been locked up. And I've used these passages and some of the the lessons that I've 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 taught there because one of the things that every one of those kids wants and needs desperately is to be told that they are innocent. (laughs) That's what every one of them wants more than anything is to be told that they're innocent because if they're told that they're innocent, that means they get to get out of there. Mm -hmm. That means that they're set free. And I think there's there's so much there's so much truth to that in our spiritual lives. Maybe sometimes we don't see it, but but it's there. Every one of us wants to be told that we're innocent. Mm-hmm. But the truth of the matter is, just like for most of these kids that, that you and I study with, they're not innocent. Right. The truth of the matter is that they're in there because they're guilty, and that most likely has been proven in a court of law. They're they're guilty, and and, and they sit they sit there thinking, man, I I 
I wish I could take that back, or I wish I hadn't done that, or I wish there was some way that my record could be wiped clean because they find themselves facing the consequences of the crime that they've committed. And that is where the contrast from our physical justice system and the spiritual realm exists. Because under the physical justice system, once you've committed a crime, you now have to suffer the consequences right, for that. That's it. That's it. The judge says guilty, you got to suffer the consequences for it. But in the spiritual realm, we can be guilty, but then be proven innocent. Right. That doesn't happen in our physical world. No. That only happens in the spiritual realm with Christ. And that, that's the beauty of it. And I think kids like that, they can see that so much clearer than we can sometimes because of the situation that they find themselves in. But man, to just take a step back and look at that and think, wow, and under no other circumstances could I have done the things that I have done and still be seen as innocent. There is no other circumstance under which this could happen. But that's the beauty of the new law. That's the beauty of what Christ has done for us. And what he has done through the first two chapters and the first half of chapter 3 is to paint the picture that man is in desperate need of that. Mm -hmm. Every man is in desperate need of that. And so when you kind of get into verse 21, where he really starts to you know, make a turn I'm always struck by 21 and 22. It, to me, it's, a, it's in a lot of ways a, a perfect parallel to chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. We, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago that in a lot of ways it, it is a key component to what the book of Romans is all about. Mm-hmm. Verse 16 and 17 of chapter 1 again, uh, that I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, that it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. A really well-known passage. But when you get into chapter 3, 21 and 22, mm-hmm. there's different words or some <laughs> different words used. But I, I think in essence it's saying the exact same thing. So listen yep. to it. But now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe, for there is no difference. And I think a lot of ways this kind of bookends the the point that he's made. So you have at the very beginning of the conversation, you have verses 16 and 17, and now really at the very end of this point that he's made through through here, it kind of bookends with that same exact thing. Listen, everybody's in a bad shape, mm-hmm. but God has done something extraordinary, and he's done something extraordinary for everyone because everyone needed it. And that really kind of begins to take that turn here at this part of chapter 3. And that's where that's where this change all takes place. And this is what I was referencing earlier because right after that, and I think you're absolutely right, he's pointing back to the power of the gospel. That's what he wants to focus on. As you pointed out, this is about what God has done, not what man has done. Stay focused. <laughs> Stay focused. Yeah, that's right. The power of the gospel the mess that you have created enter the power of the gospel and what is made possible after that is that you can be justified freely through his grace for the redemption that is in Christ Jesus mm-hmm. wow and that, that if you're reading that for the first time if you're reading that for the first time whether it was in the first century or today if you're reading that for the first time that should hit you like a ton of bricks upside the head to think, I've read all of this, I see myself in the picture that's being painted of being guilty of sin, I see it all, but then this, this great gift is literally just placed in your lap, that even after all of that, 
Jew, Gentile, it doesn't matter. Because of Christ and the redemption found through Him, you can be justified. That is just I, that is awe-inspiring, and I don't, I don't think that's an unfair use of that term here. That is awe-inspiring to think that after all that we've done, after all that mankind as a whole has done, we can still be justified through the grace of Jesus Christ. That is absolutely amazing. And I think that's why grace kind of comes to the forefront here, and certainly it is. And, you know, sometimes, you know, we'll use the words, you know, kind of grace and mercy together a lot. And sometimes we do so to the point where we think they're interchangeable. Mm-hmm. Well, they're, they're, they're similar, but they are really different. I mean, yeah. you have mercy, which kind of not getting what you deserve. I mean, that's what mercy, you mm-hmm. don't get what you deserve. But grace is giving, giving you something that you don't deserve. It, it's, that, it's that gift. And so you think about all that Paul has done. What man deserves is the wrath of God. Yep. That's what man deserves. But through God's grace, he's made a different way. And the picture of that is given to us there, verse 25, that God sent forth you know, his son to be the propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate that righteousness. And so this grace is, comes in that form of his son, and now this incredible gift that is given to man who doesn't deserve it, mm-hmm. doesn't deserve the gift mm-hmm. because we've turned our back on God, Greeks, Gentiles, Jews, yep. that's the point that's yep. been made. Everybody has. We don't deserve anything from God, but God has given it anyway. I mean, chapter 5 kind of will hammer that down a little bit more. But you're right. It is, it is an awe-inspiring, remarkable thing to begin to be thinking about here at, towards the end of chapter 3. And that's how he concludes that in verse 26. He is the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus, yeah. not the one who has the right bloodline, not the one who has done all the right things, but the one who is faithful to Jesus. That is the one that's being justified, and that, that's what it's all about now. That's what it's all about. It's not about circumcision. It's not about the old law. It's not about Jew or Gentile. Now it's about the one who has faith in Jesus. Are you willing to turn yourself over to Christ? Are you willing to see Him as your justifier? If you are, then this grace that's been talked about is extended to you. But you have to have that faith in Him. You have to be willing to put everything else to the side, put those things behind you, and turn solely and wholly to Jesus. And if you do that, and if you demonstrate that faith in Him... He will justify you. That, but that's where it has to come from. It has to be built on a faith in Christ now. Yeah, and it's an obedient faith. I mean, we see, yeah. we see that, you know, in chapter 1, that kind of is already given to us there in, in Romans chapter 1 and verse 5. It is that obedience to the faith. And, and it is not boasting on the law. He's going to make that point. It's not about, hey, I'm, I've kept all the law because you can't do that anyways. Mm-hmm. It's not even boasting about, look at all the good stuff that I've done. It's not about any of that. Again, as we've talked about, it, the focus isn't on me at all. Yeah. I mean, the focus is all on what God has done. What He has done is remarkable. And really, as the chapter closes, it is what He has done for everywhere, for everyone. I love verse 28 when He says, Listen, we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. And then He says in verse 29, Is He a God of the Jews? Is he a God of the Gentiles? Yes. He's the God. He is the God of everyone. And he is the one in the position to justify. And ultimately, only he, God, is in a position to justify man. And listen, good thing he's done that for us. And he's laid it out. And really, the book of Romans as a whole 
gives us everything that we need in order to get a hold of that grace and mercy that's been provided. And, and understanding that is why in there in verse number 27, he poses the question, where is the boasting then? Yeah. You know, he, he poses that question because of what you just said. He wants to make sure everybody understands you aren't the reason for any of this. Right. In fact, if it was up to you, we've already talked about the mess that you would be in. It, it's all about God and what he's done for you. You have no reason to boast. I don't care if you were a, a Jew under the old law. I don't care how well you think you may have kept the old law. That has nothing to do with it anymore. There is no room for man to boast about this because it is only through the grace of God that all of this is made possible. And that, that again, that's an important lesson for us today. We, we may not see it in the exact same way that the Jews and Gentiles did in the first century, but I think it's easy for us sometimes to fall into that trap of, man, I'm doing a pretty good job. You know, I, there's some other people that are struggling quite a bit, you know, but, but I'm doing a pretty good job of doing what God tells me to, to do. I'm, I'm, I'm hanging in there pretty good. I'm doing a lot better than other people are. Right. That, that's, that's boasting. We're, we're justifying ourselves. We're trying to, trying anyway, to. when we do that. And ultimately, if that's what we're trying to do, we're going to fail. We're, we're going to fail. We're going to find ourselves right back in chapters 1 and 2. If that's what we're trying to do, we have to recognize that the only boasting is in God because he's the one that's made all of this possible. Yeah, and really just to kind of give us a tease for where we're going, you know, it is it now becomes that question, what does mm-hmm. that look like? Yep. I mean, what does that look like? And so, you know, in chapter 4, I mean, Paul, he gives us, I mean, mm-hmm. an example of Abraham, yeah. multiple examples from the life of Abraham of what this looks like. Yep. You know, here's someone, certainly the father of the Jews, mm-hmm. but it wasn't under the law. I mean, he yep. was hundreds of years <laughs> yeah. before the law came into place, right? Yeah. And so he's he's not. But I mean, he is the one that says, "Hey, what does all of this look like? Mm-hmm. How, what's the attitude that we need? What's the reaction that we need? All of that is outlined for us in Romans chapter four of of Abraham in several different ways. And again, that is the logical flow of the book of Romans. Oh. And that's certainly the question that would pop up. And ultimately, the question that gets answered. Yep, absolutely. We'll go ahead and stop there. Our time is about up. We want to thank everyone for taking a few minutes to, to join us in our study uh, this morning. Hopefully, it's given you some things to think about uh, as we continue on through our study of the book of Romans. So thank you for, for studying along with us. If you're ever uh, looking for a place to worship on the Lord's Day, we'd love to have you come and join us. We meet on Sunday mornings for Bible class at 9 a.m., followed by worship at 10 a.m., And again, at 6 p.m. Sunday evening, you are more than welcome to come and join us at any of those times that you might be available. We also live stream our services on Facebook and our website, traderspointchurch.org. So if you can't get out and join us, you can follow along with us there. So thank you for your time this morning, and we'll talk to you again next week. You've been listening to Truth Talk with John Morgan of the Traders Point Church of Christ. Traders Point Church of Christ is located at 8220 West 82nd Street in Indianapolis. More information about worship times and Bible study can be found at traderspointchurch.org. You can hear Truth Talk every Sunday at 10 a.m. right here on 98.9 FM WYRZ.